0: Welcome back to Atypical Talk. This is a podcast where we have conversations that illuminate the intersection of faith, culture, and the common spaces of our humanity. I'm Abby. I'm Allison. And I'm Joel. And we talked about aliens a couple weeks ago about how there was a UFO report being released. So we wanted to start off by talking about that a little bit. Uh, Here's a quick summary of what happened during that report. So during a July 26th congressional hearing, David Grush, United States Air Force officer and former intelligence official, said that he was informed in the course of his official duties of a multi-decade UAP crash retrieval and reverse engineering program to which I was denied access. And he believed that the U.S. government is in possession of UAP based on his interviews with 40 witnesses over four years. Grush claimed in response to congressional questions that the U.S. has retrieved non-human biological matter from the pilots of the crafts and that this was the assessment of people with direct knowledge on the UAP program I talked to that are currently still on the program. So, not a whole lot. Of information yeah. was released from I mean, that.
1: Not a whole lot of information specifically, but yeah. this is somebody under oath mm-hmm. who has like, if they're lying, they go to away to prison uh, from our government. That said, non-human biological matter, and that he knows about UAPs. What does UAP stand for again?
0: Unidentified astronomical oh. f- or no aerial phenomena. Phenomen- yes, yeah, yeah, something, something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: So, like, I mean, this is a step in a direction that we've never had before where there's this is not some crazy dude with a blog on the internet this Mm -hmm. is someone who is actually an agent of our government who under oath is swearing to this so that that is a step forward even though it wasn't like bombshell after bombshell here's the picture of the little green man um that's interesting Mm -hmm.
2: to me yeah well and i guess the thing for me is that he wasn't able to say like these are the people i talked to these are the people that we found or you know so it all felt very vague yeah so yes he was under oath like I don't necessarily think he was lying but like where are the specifics (laughs) like that's what I need so I'm like I don't know I I was hoping for more I guess but Mm
0: -hmm. yeah no I was hoping for more proof too I feel like yeah we didn't get a whole lot of the specifics and it was a lot of well, I know this, but I can't tell you how I know this. I just yeah. know it, and you know, I know that we have access to this stuff. But there's no, I'm sure it'll come out later, like yeah, since hopefully. since he's given this report. You know, if, if there is more, if yeah, there's yeah. something, there <laughs> yeah. is more that will come out, and yeah, maybe yeah. this
1: is part of the first rollout to just get mm-hmm. people uh, thinking about it. Which was funny in some ways because, like, you know. On my Twitter feed or X feed, whatever you call it, <laughs> uh, there was like this so fun, this funny thing of like, oh wow, like someone actually, under oath from our government, admitted that there are aliens. But then, like, we just forget about it so quick and people mm-hmm. really weren't paying that close You're of like, attention Merch. to it and just yeah. sort of moved on with their day. I'm like, oh, no, this is actually a really <laughs> big deal, I right? it just kind of moved so quickly.
0: I saw, like, memes and stuff about it. Like, oh, if I if I still have to pay my mortgage <laughs> yeah. and my student loans and go to work, I don't care what's <laughs> yeah. happening.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Right. I was sending right. you TikToks yes. uh, <laughs> in that same vein. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> yeah, there's and
1: then, like, I saw, like, a, a, a bunch of, articles the next couple days after this report of some people from like the religious circles already coming out saying these aren't aliens uh, they were defiantly and very confidently saying they're demons or they're uh-huh. angels and like trying to like quickly define these things in uh you know biblical categories mm-hmm. which i'm like oh that man for not very much information that just feels so defensive and that feels so here is my worldview, and nothing can actually challenge the way that I've understood or read things before. Um, it just reminded me how charged this whole conversation is with fear and uh, fear of things we don't understand, fear outside of categories and boxes that we are handed as children. And um, I just try to be cognizant and um, thoughtful about how fear drives what I believe, what mm-hmm. I think about, how I act. And I just saw this so play out with uh, some people in the Christian world that were so quick to say, no, there's no such thing as aliens. Cause there's no Bible verse about aliens, but there are demons and there are angels and playing so quickly into that whole conversation. I was like, I just don't know how helpful this is. And it, it was just so quick and it was easy for me to see how this was all fear driven. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just saw a little bit out of that, which, which I'm like, I'm wrestling with some of that personally, trying to like understand, okay, what do I believe about this? So if this was discovered, uh, this doesn't mean that I throw everything I believe about faith, God, the Bible, Jesus, death, resurrection, like, out the window. But, like, mm-hmm. I think there are some people that think, like, well, that just, just proves that the whole thing is just all bunk. It's all mm-hmm. made up. Who says bunk? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's a nice little Christian swear word, probably. Um, but I, I've been reading some thoughtful um, Christ followers just write about it too, and um, just coming across ideas of, you know, how we can try to understand. Like when we discover something new, like it's not that we throw the whole thing out the window, but we can reinterpret, we can re-understand, re-analyze the things that we've held before. Uh, just the same reality with faith and science and creation and science or faith and evolution and all those different kind of things, mm-hmm. where it feels like people have their battle lines drawn and they come in to fight. Uh, but yeah, I, I I would hope that. Whatever we discover, like it just shows again the bigness of God, the the vastness of God. If God's creation is so vast and he is so creative and uh, he's built and created diverse things here, why would it end if there's infinite universes and galaxies? Why would it only be here? Um, Understanding that it would just expand our knowledge and our understanding of his power and creativity and we'll work with all the tricky theological questions like did, ang- did uh aliens ever sin so did they need jesus oh. to die for them and then uh, if are they like above us because they never sin because they weren't on earth and they didn't have god's law like all those weird interesting theological questions that people are swimming in the waters and
0: mm-hmm. i just
1: kind of want to like see what we learn and not be afraid and not be defensive but like let's see what we learn and try to understand everything through um what we see and what the church tradition is taught and what the scripture teaches and what we believe but guys let's not let's not run around with our hair on fire <laughs> but, you know there might be little green men i will say this though um as if i haven't already been ramp rambling talking um but it is interesting to me um how this only seems to be a big conversation right now in the american government oh yeah it's fascinating to me. I thought about this during COVID as well, when some people were saying that COVID was completely a hoax and it was all Mm -hmm. our American government making this thing happen. But I'm like, no, like there are people dying all All over the globe. Like this is, this is not like a a one place in the world situation. But I think of that in the, in the same way with this whole idea about UAPs and aliens. I'm like, well, I know like they're talking about it in our Congress, but this doesn't seem to be like an outrage from other governments. And I'm like, I just, want, I just want to take a step back. We talk about this a lot, like understanding that our world is not the world. Take a wider view of mm-hmm. things. And I'm like, it's interesting that this is not like, there's not protests of people in Paris saying, they're talking about this in America. Bring the truth forward. Wee wee we. we, we.
2: Um, <laughs> it's probably because they think we're crazy. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're, they're might. probably they're looking might. at us like, oh my. You know, yeah. yep. Stupid <laughs> Americans. <laughs> yeah. uh, which might be true. Uh,
1: but it is just this interesting thing, how like United States centric, this conversation seems mm-hmm. to be right now where I'm like, if there was, don't you think there'd be other kind of mm-hmm. things being talked about yeah, in I other would. governments and other high levels of conversation? Mm-hmm. Maybe there are, and we're just not getting the same kind the press. of yeah. press about it. Or maybe it's being mm-hmm. hushed, hushed in these other places. I don't know. It's just an interesting thought to me. But mm-hmm. Bring it on. Let's talk about <laughs> it. Let's figure it all out. Little green man. Maybe they'll be nicer than they were in Independence Day and in signs. I don't know. One can hope. We, can hope. Mm, we yeah,
2: can
0: hope. Yeah, let's hope so. Maybe I
1: saw. I've seen other things. As some people saying, the world is such a mess that they're gonna like land here and make their appearance. They're gonna meet a couple of us and be like, yeah, we're good. We'll go <laughs> invade another <Yeah>. planet. <laughs> this place is a mess. <laughs> this Next. place is a hot mess. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> I feel a little of that.
0: So our first article today. It's a Guardian article titled "Hawaii Wildfires: How Did the Deadly Maui Fire Start and What Caused It." Unprecedented wildfires are burning on the Hawaiian island of Maui and have displaced thousands of residents, destroying parts of a centuries-old town, and killed at least 53 people. The disaster is one of the deadliest U.S. wildfires in recent years. The fast-moving fires, fanned by the winds of a distant hurricane, exploded overnight and moved so quickly that some residents jumped into the ocean to escape the flames and smoke. The fires appeared to have burned first in dry vegetation and then rapidly spread into populated areas as wind gusts of over 60 miles per hour rocked the island. Climate change not only increases the fire risk by driving up temperatures and drying out the vegetation, but also makes stronger hurricanes more likely. In turn, those storms could fuel stronger wind events like the one behind the Maui fires. So when did you guys hear about this and what was your reaction to hearing about this in Maui? Yeah, so I started seeing
2: videos on TikTok Mm -hmm. (laughs) last week about it. And initially I'm like, what's actually like, what is happening? Mm -hmm. You know, because it was... Um, videos of pe- tourists who are on vacation at these like luxury resorts and the sirens start going off you know oh, wow. they saw like smoke in the distance but they would ask the people like do we need to be concerned about this and they're like oh no everything's fine everything's fine and then like all of a sudden they're having to pack up their three kids and all their stuff and find mm-hmm. a place to go terrifying. and terrifying yeah. and you can't get off you know like there's nowhere to go so what do you do so it was a lot of that and then um afterwards just people on bikes recording videos as they like rode through this burned out town burned out cars you know and um then videos of people literally abandoning their vehicles and Mm -hmm. jumping into the ocean which I think I may have told you the other day I'm like you know some people are scared of the ocean anyways and sharks and all the things that live in Mm -hmm. it and so to think that like your options are stay here on this island that is literally on fire or jump into the water where you know there are sharks and things that Mm -hmm. can you know kill you so it all felt very just apocalyptic in a lot of ways like the videos just watching these burned out towns i mean it's stuff that we see in the movies Mm -hmm. you know it's not that's not supposed to be real life kind of situations but yeah my heart was literally just broken for these people um it felt very unreal right like Mm -hmm.
1: it felt very much like a movie Mm -hmm. like like you said like a post-apocalyptic the world had already ended and you just sort of see the embers still burning all around you're like wait like this is in our time in the united states of america in a place that's known for like beauty and luxury Mm -hmm. and relaxation like it's its entire thing right and it's just sort of like all burning down right around you and uh, it just felt very unreal like Mm -hmm. at first I remember seeing like a headline about I'm like oh no a fire in Maui that Mm -hmm. sounds that sounds terrible then I kept seeing more and more and I'm like do they not get this under control and then to think uh, as we've seen some of the footage and hearing some of the stories you're like oh my goodness, how? how did this happen? Like, yeah. that's my question of like, how are we so unprepared? And mm-hmm. to think about being on an Island and really no place to go. No. Uh, that's a really terrifying notion. Yeah. And there's something like chilling about the reality of like going on a vacation to relax and then being like in fear for yeah. your life yeah. in uh tragic ways, which is like, man, it just sort of feels like life is a vapor and mm-hmm. my gosh, everything can change so, oh, no. so quickly. Um, but, yeah, I was just kind of blown away by it, and the imagery is shocking. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I actually have been to Maui. I was thinking back. I think I was in my sophomore year in high school. My family, we took a vacation where we were on island for one day. I think we were on Maui for, like, one day, one night kind of thing. And I just remember the only memory I really have of it is, uh, like, everywhere you turned, it kind of looked like a postcard. It yeah. was the most beautiful place mm-hmm. I'd ever been at that point in my life. And I'm like – Wow, everywhere you look like it's not very <laughs> commercialized in a really cool way and it was just really beautiful and uh, thinking about like oh my gosh now the rebuild yeah. think mm-hmm. about how many lives I mean not only the tragedy of people um, dying from mm-hmm. this but the economy and how the time it's going to take to build it back yeah. up and uh, it's 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 a tragedy mm-hmm. it's it's, mm-hmm. A, it's a really scary thing and I just have so many questions about like so this happened just completely naturally and like what is it about the way that we're living and using our planet that these things happen more and more yeah
2: because i was thinking about that too like we were just it hasn't been that long that we had all that smoke from canada here Mm -hmm. in indiana because canada was on fire you know and so you're like I feel like we are hearing about this a lot more so i'm like is it just that we're hearing about it more is it happening more like i don't know a single thing about climate change not Mm -hmm. one thing but like it feels like it's happening happening so
1: much Anecdotally, it really does it Mm -hmm. does feel like it is happening a lot more and to think like i mean no i mean what we know is that overall the planet is getting warmer and things Mm -hmm. are changing and things are melting at paces and rates that they weren't before at least we don't have during recorded history and so of course, these things are all going to change, Mm -hmm. you know, Uh, and to think like, okay, like, are we just, is this just the new normal? Or are we going to consider like different ways to treat our home? Mm -hmm. Because this is uh, terrifying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think uh, one of the other things that just came to my mind in this is like, we think about, you know, crises that happen so far away from us and, and we can so quickly just go to oh, man, that sucks, or that's sad. Mm -hmm. Um, I think back to, I remember hearing Mr. Rogers from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. (laughs) I remember him talking years ago about being scared of what he saw on the news and his parents told him uh, to always look for the helpers in these situations that are scary. And uh, when I I think about our response, I I always want and long for um, a faithful, compassionate healing presence to come in these situations that are people, um, that follow Jesus. And I've just been thinking a lot about the churches in Maui. I've been thinking about people that are doing good work on the ground in Maui and, uh, thinking about, okay, like this is a, this from this tragedy is a beautiful opportunity to show their neighbors that this is, um, it's not just an oh shucks, this sucks mm-hmm. moment. This is a opportunity to show them God's love and show them that God cares about them and their needs and the here and now. And, um, to really do some beautiful restoration work in that community and in that city and on that Island. So, um, I'm just always like longing to hear those stories about rebuilding and restoration mm-hmm. and longing to hear that people that are followers of Jesus want to get involved in that work and, so even us in Indiana as, you know, as the experts in emergencies and, uh, these, these, uh, traumas, you know, they do their first responder work. Like what are ways that we can support people there and love people there instead of just being like, Oh, that's terrible. Mm-hmm. That's easy to do. Right. Uh, but how can we, uh, be helpers? How can we look for the helpers? How can we celebrate those stories of the helpers in these tragedies? Um, yeah. I think that's, the powerful step for all of us to consider our part in, and especially those on the ground in Maui. Mm -hmm. So for all of our Hawaiian listeners, (laughs) you have an incredible opportunity to uh, shine Jesus, to live like Jesus, to uh, meet chaos with peace and hope. And um, I'm just praying for beautiful stories to come out of this from the, from the rubble and from the brokenness to see some restoration and some good Mm -hmm. stuff stir in there. Mm
0: So, our next article today is uh, an NPR article by Anya Archie titled Michael Orr of The Blind Side Says He Wasn't Adopted But Put in a Conservatorship. The Blind Side is a 2009 movie chronicling the real life story of Michael Orr, a homeless black teen that was adopted by the Tui family. Orr has alleged that a central part of his story, that he was adopted by a wealthy family, is false. Instead of adopting him, he said the family established a conservatorship in which they profited from his name, image, and likeness. Journalist and author Michael Lewis wrote a book about Orr's life called The Blind Side, Evolution of the Game, which was published in 2006. The Twees began negotiating a movie adaptation of the book with 20th Century Fox later that year. The blind side went on to make at least $300 million at the worldwide box office. The Tui's made millions, while Orr received nothing. So did this come as a surprise to you, or, and why or why not?
2: For me, it's giving uh, Britney Spears vibes. Mm. Like I don't understand, <laughs> I guess, conservatorships very much because this whole thing just makes me so sad. Like Mm -hmm. the man is 37 years old and only now, first of all, just found out he doesn't actually have familial relationship with the two Like my Mm -hmm. mind is blown about that because they've been together since he was 16. But then also like he has full mental capabilities, capacities. Like he's had an NFL career yet. He, can't enter or negotiate contracts or make medical decisions by himself like he yeah (laughs) so that's where i just do not understand how this all works especially when like i'm pretty sure i read in this article that you mentioned that it was supposed to end by the time he was 25 or before if a Mm -hmm. court granted it so like how are we still here yeah at 37 i don't understand yeah do ridiculous yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, the, <laughs> so the article mentioned
1: that still at 37 he has to check in with them on things that's well what, that's
2: part of the conservatorship is that mm, he can't that just negotiate contracts but yeah. i'm like you were in the nfl like they have mm-hmm. contracts like i don't understand yeah. yeah
1: yeah yeah i feel like i just don't understand enough about that because it'd be mm-hmm. one thing if you know they were sort of profiting just from the story through the book and the yeah, movie, and the movie. Mm-hmm. but like the fact that yeah, I feel like there's something I don't understand Yeah. Of
2: this well, and then they said they didn't make any money off the movie and I just the book. Yeah. yeah. And but I But if the
1: book, mm-hmm. if the movie is based off the know. book, there's probably a multiplying effect there. a Nice little loophole maybe. Right. Yeah. That's uh, why I'm like
0: that. Can't possibly be true, right? Mm-hmm. Like cuz like this article said that they made millions yeah. off of it, but then they say they yeah, made nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They've come out since this article was posted saying that they made nothing and yeah. all of this is lies so it's yeah, a whole confusing it's, it's thing. complicated
1: too it's complicated to think like why now is this coming to the forefront yeah. after his playing career is over and you know you, we just don't probably know enough it's just I'm just left mm-hmm. with sadness over yes this because me too. it's it just terrible. again it it just feels like another story of people taking advantage mm-hmm. of somebody who doesn't know anything and putting it under the guise of care mm-hmm. and love um but again we don't I guess we don't know enough and you're mm-hmm. innocent until proven guilty which is a good thing it just seems so messy yeah. and complicated it, to be 37 and you know bringing this back up and man just the betrayal inside of this between like trying to find it out and understand what it actually mm-hmm. was and mm-hmm. um, I don't know it's so complicated yeah. it, it, the, the one thing that comes to my mind too of like if he's you know suing to try to get those resources back and mm-hmm. to make some of the money that he feels was rightfully his you know, revenge is an interesting game. Mm-hmm. Like there's a there's a fine line between justice and revenge yeah. and this is so personal that I don't yes. know how it's not tinged with like revenge and anger mm-hmm. and oh, because sure of is. hurt. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, now if he was do that and this is all true, then yeah, he is totally like it is mm-hmm. an injustice that he doesn't have the access to these things. But there's just an element of it that makes me feel like, man, it just feels like anger mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. like revenge where I'm like Michael, like, like you're, not gonna, or, you're not going to, you're yeah. not going to, this isn't going to fix that mm-hmm. in that way, you know, and even if the resources gets to you, which might be rightfully yours, um, revenge just doesn't ever deliver on what it promises mm-hmm. and, it, and it's still going to like lead to some brokenness and some, yeah. some pain and some hurt. So ultimately, you know, my hope for this whole situation are, are two things that the truth comes out and justice is served mm-hmm. But that also that there would be some kind of restoration between this family and Michael Orr, mm-hmm. because there was deep, deep-seated familial connection mm-hmm. and the way that they brought him into their home, even if it wasn't legally yeah. adopting. So there's got to be so much of those long, um, played out feelings and emotions that I mm-hmm. hope that there can be some restoration between mm-hmm. them, or at least a and an opportunity to apologize and for there to be restitution in that instead of just, I want my money. I hate yeah. you. Yeah. And I'm not going to give you your money because it's our money. And like, it's kind of like the standoffish thing, which plays out so often, mm-hmm. but it just feels so messy and sad that I, I hope that the truth does come out and the justice is served. But on a personal level, I hope that there can be some kind of restitution, restoration mm-hmm. if possible in the inside mm-hmm. the relationships. Cause this just does not play out well for anybody. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's but so sad.
0: Do you think that there actually was like, familial love from the twoies, considering that they started off the relationship by getting a conservatorship over this? Instead of an adoption? Yeah, yeah. Because if they truly loved him, they would have adopted him into their family and cared for him, but they used his conservatorship and mm-hmm. profited off of him. So it almost feels like there wasn't love to begin with. If that's yeah, If that's no. the way it played yeah, out, then yeah. like,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I totally see where you're coming yeah, from. Yeah, yeah. And maybe there's more legally that I don't understand about the conservatorship. It's yeah. not just mm-hmm. about profiting. It's I don't know. I guess yeah, I don't know. Yeah. law. But I totally see where you're coming mm-hmm. from. That to be like, well, if you if it was love, you would just say just you're ours yeah. and yeah, you are adopting in. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then yeah, if that's the case. And then the the hurt case, too, like if that's, that's so what
2: he hurt. thought yeah. it was. Mm-hmm. It's multiplied. He, he thought the yeah, he was then adopted. the hurt is multiplied. Yeah, 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 yeah. because then you find out you're not. So think about that betrayal when yeah. he finds out that
1: he wasn't, and mm-hmm. that they were—if this is true—that they yeah. were profiting off of him the whole time when he thought it was this actual familial yeah. love. Yeah. Yeah, it's so messy, but I don't know. It just it sounds dark and it's
2: so sad. I loved that. I loved that movie. And now I'm like, it's tainted. Yeah,
0: yep.
1: Sandra
2: Bullock (laughs) hurts my heart. Why? Uh,
1: We'll see. As the I guess maybe as more news comes out, Mm -hmm. we can come back to it, and hopefully there's hopefully there's more to both sides of the story than what we're currently getting Mm -hmm. now. Mm We can hope for that yeah uh but we'll maybe we'll come back to it when we learn more
0: Mm -hmm. so our next question is what was your first job and what do you still remember from it so i worked at a local dry cleaners Mm -hmm.
2: uh starting when i was 15 and it was hot like Mm -hmm. that is one of the main (laughs) things that i remember because you just have all this steam and heat and it i mean it was just the building wasn't air conditioned because honestly what even was the point when you're just it's constant steam in there and then also people's clothes just surprised me and i think i mean obviously i've lived a lot more life since i was 15 Mm -hmm. but just seeing like some people's clothes were covered in pet hair just Mm. not (laughs) not just yeah and not just like oh i need to go
0: get a lint roller no
2: like covered like their animals were
0: sleeping on their clothes yes or something. and yeah. doing
2: other things they smelled Ooh. so bad um so look at that character building first <laughs> job it really was it did teach me how to deal with enjoy the public that, in a lot of ways enjoy that 625 an hour <laughs> yeah exactly it, was right it probably was mm-hmm. but uh yeah so that was my first job and mm-hmm. i could not wait to not be working there anymore. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: my first job, I can't remember if I've shared this on the podcast before or just talked about it in other mm-hmm. spaces. But uh, I worked three hours a day from three to six at a the church that I grew up at. They had a daycare ministry. And so I from three to six, I was Mr. Joel <laughs> at this daycare to where I came in and did nap and playtime and activity. Um, I took them to a, a thirty-minute chapel that I got to like create with. Mm-hmm. I would like play silly songs and then a couple worship songs and do a little Bible lesson. So it was my first little gig in ministry. Look at that! <laughs> um, and then the last thirty minutes of the day, what I remember the most is the hot movie at the time was Finding Nemo and so we as parents were picking up kids we would just get them all down in basically one room and so I, I've seen the first 30 minutes of Finding Nemo hundreds, <laughs> it's, hundreds a class, yeah, yeah. it's a class, yeah. it's a Uh so yeah I, I did that and then in the summer I would work all day and it was the coolest gig there because they had an hour and a half nap time mm. bring it back so, so man I would just <laughs> like back. sit in the corner of a, of a room where they were napping I'm like I'm getting paid uh, like a cool yeah. $6.75 $6. <laughs> for this and mm-hmm. get to chill and strum on a guitar probably uh, but yeah yeah, that was my my first job and i was i was uh, affectionately known as or maybe it was ironically known as mr joel <laughs> so i run into people now that are like in their 20s and be like hey mr joel i'm like oh man i am so old and <laughs> this, this is, is so, so weird <laughs> so that was my first job at a daycare yeah. what about
0: you abby well I mean, I did a lot of like babysitting and stuff, but like, you know, my first regular like paycheck job was working at an ice cream shop in a small town. And when we moved to this small town, I was like, oh, this is Adventures and Odyssey vibes. (laughs) I'm going to go work at this little ice cream shop. It was not what I imagined. (laughs) It was, I went home sticky every day. Uh, And then there was one day that like this person was ordering and I, was just like thrown onto the cash onto the cash register for the first time like they were like go Cover this guy's order. I'm like, I don't even know how to run this cash <laughs> register. So I just started crying oh, in the middle oh, of this guy's oh, no. order. He how got- old were
1: you? How old were you? I
0: was like 14. Oh, yeah. No. 14 <laughs> yeah. No. So this guy felt so bad, but my boss was getting so mad at me. Oh, oh no. <laughs> and so it was just, it was not a fun experience. My boss was rude all the time. I, I was going to say, was this the same boss
2: that you've mentioned that used to yell at people across the street? Like, was there a. Oh, no. Or was that the pizza shop? That was the pizza okay. shop. I also She's
0: worked had past- a lot of great bosses. <laughs> I'm the oh, best no. boss. Uh-oh. uh oh I'm just kidding I, I worked at a pizza shop and there was another pizza shop right yes, across the road and my, my boss would sit out on the porch and heckle people going into the other pizza <laughs> shop so what terrible a yeah. yep. what a classy oh, guy what a classy guy oh no you're gonna get sick tonight yeah. oh no oh, yes. But a lot of interesting high school jobs. So you would think that working
1: at an ice cream shop, like, <laughs>
0: would be the dream because ev-
1: everybody's happy to see you, and like yes. you're giving them something that they love. Yeah. You would think that like you're not you're gonna make yeah. everybody happy, but mm-hmm. there was a dark side. Yeah. To the <laughs> ice cream yeah. Shop. Dark side. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So our last topic today is a Mashable article titled "A New Washington State Bill Takes the First Step in Legislating Rights for Child Influencers." The proposed law, titled Protecting the Interests of Minor Children Featured on For-Profit Family Vlogs, would ensure that children featured in online content, such as family vlogs, would receive appropriate compensation for any profit-generating media. It requires parents to funnel a portion of content revenue into a separate fund for children to access when they're adults. The law also would enshrine a right to privacy for these children once they've reached legal adult status, allowing them to petition to have videos and other content deleted. One of the minds behind the bill is Chris McCarty, an 18-year-old freshman and political science major at the University of Washington, who became interested in child protection after following the story of influencer Micah Stauffer. Stoffer became embroiled in online controversy after she and her husband relinquished their newly adopted child back to the state, all while profiting from the numerous vlogs they posted about it to YouTube. So what are your guys' thoughts on family vlogs? Do you think there's anything wrong with them? What are your thoughts on ones that you've seen?
1: Ones that I've seen. Yeah. Like, I'm going to play, play old man card here. Like family vlogs is a thing and people are making money off of it. Like, yes. This is a whole corner of the internet that I know nothing about. And I, I just have, you know, I, I've talked about this before, but I'm not a reality TV guy. And I don't think I've ever watched a full episode of reality TV <laughs> or at least in 20 years probably. And so like, it's just not sort of my, my bag. So thinking about like, oh man, there are people that are just like recording their families all the time. And then, making a step from that to be like they're making money off Mm -hmm. of it and these kids can't really decide like it's like what are we doing Mm -hmm. and how did we get here and talk about using kids Mm -hmm. for your own benefit instead of your kids being there as a way that you can love them protect them and set them up and guide them to be adults wow we've gotten some things upside down so Mm -hmm. yeah this is the whole idea of family family vlogs I can't wrap my head around like it's fake as you know, reality TV is with being scenes and you know setting things up like these are people and their kids that are already life is already hard enough mm-hmm. for them through mm-hmm. you know being a child and adolescence today, and we're gonna add like the weight of celebrity and likes mm-hmm. and I need you to say that thing that you said off camera a couple mm-hmm. minutes ago because that's gonna be really funny in this scene if yeah. we have the camera on. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. this is so gross and yeah. it's so so exploitative, mm-hmm. um, in my understanding. So yeah. I guess I'll play the old man card and just be like, I don't get it. Can we make a bill just to stop all family vlogs? or, yeah. or all family vlogs? Can't you what, whatever happened here? We yeah. go. Whatever yeah, yeah, happened yeah, yeah, to yeah. just <laughs> having family memories for you? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't quite get it. Well,
2: mm-hmm. yeah. So few things are private anymore with social media and pe- somebody always has a camera on somewhere, <laughs> you know, kind of a thing. But, you know, I think about as a kid, like if I would have had the camera on me from sun up to sun down, like the thought of it now as an adult is exhausting so I can't imagine as a kid like being expected I don't even want to say to perform but I guess it is kind of that like feeling like you have to be on Mm -hmm. all the time and um you know there's just that's draining (laughs) it's just exhausting but it's also scary from a safety perspective like I've seen um you know people on TikTok are better than the FBI. I apologize to anybody in the FBI, but I promise (laughs) you, uh, you post a picture of you at a pool and in two minutes, the people on TikTok know exactly where you're at, what pool you're at. Um, they've been there, they know somebody that lives near there, you know, so Mm -hmm. like just those things, that's scary because kids, you know, they don't, always know strangers and mm-hmm. so if somebody walks up to them because they think they know them because they've seen so many vlogs and tiktoks or videos and stuff like they know a lot about you you mm-hmm. know and so you could walk up to this kid and say hey you know your mom told me at dance class that you like da da and so she told me to pick you up and this kid's gonna be like okay they know my mom they know I go to dance class they know my friends you know whatever mm-hmm. like they know a lot about me and so then it just your walls come down and so it's just it's such a safety risk and so Mm -hmm. as a mom like it's just it's very it's scary and you know i think you posted a reddit article or something too where like somebody mentioned that their sibling like had an attempted kidnapping Mm -hmm. because they thought this person was familiar to the family but they actually weren't they were a stranger that they had seen all of their stuff. So it's just uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stranger danger is a real thing and it still needs to be a real thing. So mm-hmm. I don't know. That's what intimidates me, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah. On the topic of that Reddit post, I have some of it written down here. So Reddit user throwaway listeners made a post on the Reddit community true off my chest titled, I was brought up by family vloggers and it ruined my life. A portion of her post says, I'm going to list some stuff that happened and how it affected us. My siblings and I were so paranoid there was cameras on us that the only place we felt comfortable changing was in the bathroom with the lights off. I couldn't talk to my mom about anything when my mental health began to get bad because I was too scared she'd share it online. If I'd asked her not to, it wouldn't have made a difference. I now barely have a relationship with my mom. My mom considered homeschooling us so that she'd have more time to make content during the day. My best friend's mom said that she didn't want my friend to be my friend anymore because my mom kept filming her without permission. My mom didn't care how upset I was. I didn't have a single private moment. My mom woke me up with the camera on and she often filmed right until we went to sleep. She filmed us in the bath and although she's tried to get it off the internet, it's downloaded and online forever. She shared when I got my period even though I told her I didn't want her to. Someone attempted to kidnap my sister and found it easy because they knew her full name, address, school, and details about her. My sister didn't know he was a stranger because he knew so much about her. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it, do you think that this legislation will actually have an effect on this? Like, do you think it will lessen the amount of family vlogs or have people be more cautious online? I mean, we can hope. <laughs> we can hope. I mean, yeah. Yeah.
1: It, it might, like, not make it an incentive, incentive to do it in, in that way. Uh, but, man, I always try to go, like, what's the thing underneath the thing? Mm-hmm. You know, because, like, it might stop some of it. But underneath of it is a deeper reality of people trying to live through their kids Mm -hmm. to get something out of their kids. I mean, I liken it to um, a father or a mother like living for their kids successes at sports to where they're like Mm -hmm. if their kid had a great day. You know, if they went three for three from the mm-hmm. plate, then they're mm-hmm. going to be in a good mood and their kid's going to get ice cream. But if they struck out three times, everybody's in a terrible mood and mm-hmm. it's almost like a punishment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we like live for that success. And There's a difference between being like proud of your kid when he does well. Um, that, there's there's some yeah. degrees there. Right. Mm-hmm. But like it just feels like we're again using and um, exploiting. And the thing underneath the thing there is like. What are we missing so much that we feel like we've got to live through Mm -hmm. them or get something out of them, squeeze all that we can out of them? Um, Because I heard somebody say once that um, children are a great gift from God, but they're a terrible God. Mm -hmm. And when we make them everything and the, the end of everything, then. We're going to be riding the highs and lows of their experiences as well. And that is a weight way too heavy for our kids to bear, which you sort of see through this Reddit users experience of growing up with a family vlogger. Um, So until people uh, don't get their greatest joy from likes, shares, money they can make from their kids stories, and they find a deeper joy that's more satisfying, that doesn't exploit somebody else, um, then we're going to see more and more of this Mm -hmm. as the Internet becomes... A more integral part of modern life Mm -hmm. uh but man it shouldn't (laughs) yeah shouldn't be this way yeah Yeah. and it just sort of sees um like a disordered reality to where we're trying to get something from our kids that's just so gross and it just exploits them Mm -hmm. i know i've said that a lot but that's just really what this is it's another type of slavery another type of uh, using somebody as a product instead of a human being to be loved and mm-hmm. cherished and mm-hmm. guided. And um, that's the thing that I'm so, I'm a little nervous about like a generation now that are parents that were growing up with the internet and social media, to where they were getting their greatest joy and their dopamine hits mm-hmm. from likes and shares. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now those people have kids and you think that's just going to turn off? Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the
2: attention seeking just turns. I mean, it can turn in a lot of different ways, you mm-hmm. know, and, and so, it, yeah, it can get really dark. It's just real
0: messy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I've seen a lot of like TikTok users and people who use social media who have heard stories like the one that this Reddit user posted and have decided to completely take their kids off social media even Mm -hmm. though that's like the main reason a lot of people would go to their page because their kids are cute or they say funny things and stuff and it's huge for them to be making that decision because you know they're not getting near as many views anymore but they're making these decisions because of hearing stories Mm -hmm. like this so i think stories like this help this legislation will probably help Mm -hmm. but there's going to be some people who won't care either way yeah yeah Mm Well, that's it for this episode of Atypical Talk. If you have any questions, topics you'd like us to talk about, anything like that, email those to atypicaltalkpod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Pod. Make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform to get updates when new episodes are uploaded. We hope that these conversations today have helped you think wider, love deeper, and partner with God to bring the up there down here in your everyday life. Thanks for listening.